and TKOs, we are live. Episode 26 coming at you on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon post-Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, I just had to rock the Grizz gear again. Go freaking Grizz. Beat down the Montana State Bobcats. Uh, playing Delaware at home. Wah, Grizz. Night game um, in their first home game. And uh, shit, the way they played, I mean, there's lots to be excited about. So, Grizz Nation, stand up. But boy, do we have a show for you today. No more weeks off until Christmas. Uh, not a lot of things, you know, booked up for fight news since last week, especially with the holiday. Probably not a lot of things going on. Um, but we're going to break down some fights, talk about the PFL championship and preview UFC fight night, Austin this weekend in Texas. Um, but Jalen Turner, Bobby green, we talked about that short notice fight. So that's going to be the short notice main event here. And then we did have, uh, um, a rumor Dana white did the full send podcast today. You know, they have the big boardroom, somehow a camera caught a clip that uh, it is uh, Michael Page versus Kevin Holland. Oh, man, could you imagine that fight? That would be one hell of a banger. Um, but I I almost wonder if, you know, that's just hypothetical. Hey, we'll book Kevin Holland against him if we can get him to sign. I know he hasn't signed yet. Or maybe that's a way to try to push him to get to, to be signed. You know, uh, playing chess, not checkers. We'll find out. But um, other than that, we had the PFL championships this past weekend. We had OAM, uh, the $2 million man, saying he's taking a year off, may retire, may not, with an oppressive unanimous decision victory over Clay Collard. Um, Clay said, don't be the Canadian backpack. Well, he was the Canadian backpack, grappled his way to victory here. And what a great performance here. We had Renan Ferreira with a round two TKO over Dennis Goldsov. I mean, Goldsov's been one of the more dominant guys in PFL this year, but Ferreira is powerful, man. This young power striker is going to be a problem. I would love to see him in the UFC. We had Larissa Pacheco with a unanimous decision win over Marina Maknakina, uh, the first double champ in PFL history. Well-deserved. She took care of business. We had Magomed, Magomed Kiramov with a round three submission via guillotine choke over Sadabu C. Again, if you got a double Megamed name, you're probably grappling. You're trying to smash. That's what he did. He gassed out C, got the guillotine choke victory. How about this? From being cut to the UFC, Impa Kasagane, a million-dollar man with a unanimous decision victory over Joshua Silvera. This fight went a little bit of everywhere. That was fun. Kayla Harrison back to her winning ways with the unanimous decision win over Aspen Ladd. Did not think that was beautiful by any means, though. And then we had Derek Brunson with a unanimous decision victory over Ray Cooper. Um, another grappling Harry attacked by Blonde Brunson. But he comes to the PFL, he gets a win, he wants better opponents, and he said he will definitely let loose in his next fight. We had Jesus Pinedo with a round three TKO over Gabriel Braga. That was a very close fight throughout. Uh, Jesus ended up getting the finish. I called for that, not too surprised. Then we had the Gordon Ryan uh, announcement last week for Fight Pass. Well, that is getting rescheduled because he had a rib injury while grappling. So we got excited. Now we're not excited. Who knows what they're going to do to headline that sucker. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll stay tuned for more Gordon Ryan news. 
But we're going to uh, kick off UFC Fight Night Austin, Texas. Prelims at 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, main card at 5 p.m. Pacific. I actually want to look at this. I, th I thought I saw that the times might change. As I go to UFC, right now, their first thing is still um, advertising Gordon Ryan for Fight Pass. I should get that fixed. But yeah, so 2 p.m. Uh, prelims. Main card, 5 o'clock, all on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, let me double-check that. Sorry. I would assume so with all the, the sports. It's like a sports haven right now, right? We got college football. We got the championship games. We got basketball uh, season play-in tournament. We got a lot going on. So the prelims are ESPN+. Plus. The main card is on ESPN. How about that? Well, um... Again, no uh, fights to the record, but we do stand thus far 26 episodes deep, 26 weeks at 122.77-3. How about that, huh? How about them apples? So this weekend, some good fights that we will not be breaking down. We have Cody Brundage taking on Contender Series alum Zachary Reese. We have uh, Contender Series alums Steve Garcia and uh, Melquizel Costa. And then more Dana White Contender Series action. Rodolfo Bellotto making his UFC debut against Ihor Poteria. So lots of Contender Series bloods early on. We're going to kick this sucker off in the prelims. We have Veronica Hardy, 28 years old, with a 7-4-1 record. Taking on Jamie Lynn North, 33 years old, with a 6-0 record. Now this is an interesting fight between two revived and fine-tuned women, especially Hardy taking some time off, having the help of her husband, Dan Hardy, um, you know, fixing up her game. And she's taking on a woman who has not suffered defeat, looked good in her UFC debut, so it should be a, a quality fight. Now, Veronica is on a one-fight winning streak. That was March this year, and her first fight since 2020 after some time off. She is 2-4 and four in the UFC. Jamie is an LFA fighter. She is also 1-0 in the UFC. Three of her six wins are via knockout, and she does have a three-inch reach advantage in this fight. I think this is a very important fight for both women, especially where they're at in their respected careers. Veronica, 28. Jamie Lynn, 33. A loss here, especially for Veronica, uh, you know, it's going to have her close to the chopping block. So I do think we're going to see another improved version of her. Uh, a little bit more confident with her striking. I just don't think she's going to be able to deal with the length and power of Jamie, the confidence that she has going for her. For that reason, I'm, I'm saying Jamie stays undefeated. I am taking Jamie Lee North, but I'm avoiding this on a parlay just because lack of education on both fighters. It's worth watching though, right? When I say the good fights, these are fights. It's like we're not going to break down because it's either lopsided or there's just not enough data for these guys they are so young in their career. And then if we're actually breaking them down in the cards, prelims, early prelims, or main card, these are ones we know enough. It's worth watching. Tune in. Then in the prelims, we have Wellington, the prodigy Terman, 27 years old with an 18 and seven record taking on Jared night train. Gooden, 29 years old with an 18 and eight record. Now this fight, we get two men who are still adding to their games. They're still trying to get through you know, try to get things clicking a little bit while when they enter their primes. And Wellington's coming off a tough stretch. 
He has losses against Randy Brown and Andre Petrosky, although good competition. Now, Jared has lost in his return to the UFC, but he definitely has power and is looking to get things going on the right track. I think this will be a clash of styles, but I am interested to see how Wellington rebounds since his last fight in June. Breaking it down, Wellington has a BJJ style. He trains out of Teixeira MMA. His team's been winning. He's trying to get on that winning track. He has a black belt in BJJ. He's on a two-fight losing streak and is 2-3 and three since 2021. And eight of his 18 wins are via submission. Now, Jared is an orthodox fighter. He has a brown belt in BJJ. He's a legacy FC, LFA, Titan FC, Island Fights, and Icon alum. He fought for the UFC in 2020 and 2021 and was 1-3. 11 of his 22 wins are via knockout, 6 via submission, so 17 of his 22 wins are via finish, and he does have a 5-inch reach advantage. Now, I don't really think Jared can afford another loss if he wants to stay in the UFC, especially after being out and in again already. And Wellington's pretty desperate need of a win as well. So I, bet, I expect both guys to kind of take some chances, especially Jared while standing on the feet. I think Terman is more of a well-rounded MMA fighter, and I think he will look to find a way to mix in the clinching, the grappling, and striking to get the job done. For that reason, I'm taking Wellington, but I am not putting him on a parlay. He's been burdening me too much. Moving on. We got Drakkar Close, 35 years old, with a 13-2-1 record, taking on Joe Selecki, 30 years old, with a 13-3 record. Funny story, I actually saw Drakkar at the sports bar that I was at watching UFC 295. He looks looks in shape, looks ready to rock. Now, Drakkar is an orthodox fighter. He trains out of the MMA lab. He has a wrestling background from North Idaho College and Lindenwood University. He has a purple belt in BJJ. He is an RFA alum. He is on a two-fight winning streak, both of them in 2022. Joe has a black belt in BJJ. He's on a two-fight winning streak. He is a Cage Fury and Contender Series alum, and eight of his 13 wins are via submission. Now, Joe, he's had a great submission game, but Jakar has a wrestling background, and he's going to be tough to control on the mat, find those submission opportunities. If anything, I'd expect Jakar to pressure Joe Look for a takedown of his own. I'd give the striking and power advantage to Close. And um, I think he'll take advantage of the fight there. But Joe's solid everywhere, man. He's going to make it difficult. I could see this just being a three-round war. Great way to get into the, you know, close to the main card here. But I am taking Drakkar Close. I'm avoiding this on a parlay. These are all really close fights and tight money lines for sure. Moving on. We have Misha Cupcake Tate, 37 years old with a 19-9 record and the number 12 next to her name. Taking on Julia, Raging Panda Avila, 25 years old with a 9-2 record and the number 13 next to her name. Again, very interesting fight between two veteran women. They're looking to defend and move up the rankings. Misha has a lot more of a historied and proven career. I think since uh, she has returned, she is 1-2, and two, 
but she's faced some of the best that there is to offer in the division. She tried to go to flyweight, but she's back at bantamweight, so it should be a fun uh, a fun showcase here. Misha trains out of Extreme Couture. She has a purple belt in BJJ. She's the former bantamweight champion. She was the 2016 Comeback Fighter of the Year against Holly Holm. She was also the 2011 Female Fighter of the Year. She's a Strike Force alum and former champion. She's on a two-fight losing streak, and seven of her 19 wins are via knockout. Now, Julia has a brown belt in BJJ. She's an Evicta alum. She's on a one-fight winning streak, and four of her nine wins are via knockout. She also has a three-inch reach advantage. Now, I thought Julia looked great in her last fight. I still don't see how she is going to be able to handle Misha's grappling, forward pressure throughout a full fight. Misha wants to finish her career strong. I just don't think it's going to happen unless she can find a big striking advantage. For that reason, I'm going with the veteran, Misha Tate, back on the winning track. I am putting her on a parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on. You want to speak about, oh, geez, man. We got Clay the Carpenter Guida, 41 years old, with a 38-20 record, 58 pro fights. Sheesh. He's taking on Joaquim Neto BJJ Silva, 34 years old, with a 12-5 record. So we're getting one of the more OG vets on the roster today. Taking on a specialist at the edge of his prime. You never know when we've seen the last of Clay in the octagon. This could be it. And uh, you got to enjoy it. And for Silva, he's only had one win since 2018. So he's definitely probably going to look for submissions. Maybe just go swing big for the fences like he did in his last fight. Try to get the finish against one of the more popular vets. It's a good name to have on your resume. Breaking it down, Clay is an orthodox fighter. He trains out of Team Alpha Male. He has the fourth most bouts in UFC history with 35. The third most takedowns landed in UFC history with 76. The fifth most total time in the UFC history with over six hours and 44 minutes. He has the USC fight in the Hall of Fame against Diego Sanchez for the Ultimate Fighter 1 finale. He had the 07 fight of the year against Roger Huerta and the 09 fight of the year against Diego Sanchez. He is a King of the Cage, WEC, and Strike Force alum and former Strike Force champion. He's on a one fight losing streak and is 3 3 since 2021. 14 of his 18 wins are via submission, and 11 of his 23 losses are also via submission. Now, Joaquim has a BJJ and Muay Thai style. He has a black belt in BJJ, a black crying in Muay Thai. He's on a one-fight losing streak and is only 1-2 and two since 2021, not been super active. Seven of his 12 wins are via knockout. Three of his four losses are also via knocked out. So to knock out or to be knocked out. Again, I think uh, Silva's just going to be looking for big shots over and over. You know, Clay has taken a ton of damage in his career. His chin could be on its last leg. I do think Clay, with his, his movement and his, his IQ and prepared game plan here, he's just going to keep moving, avoid that knockout, mix in grappling, try to steal a decision victory, 
and tie out, tire out Silva over the course of three rounds. For that reason, I'm taking the OG. Put the Carpenter on the picks, but I'm avoiding, uh, avoiding him on a parlay if possible. Moving in the main card, we have Punahili Puna Soriano, 31 years old with a 9-3 record, taking on Dustin Stoltzfus, 32 years old with a 14-5 record. This is going to be one hell of a scrap to kick off the main card certified banger. Two men in their primes. They've shown, you know, waves of what they're capable of, but they really haven't translated that into consistency in the UFC. The time is now for these men. Uh, Again, in the middle of their primes, they got to showcase why they deserve to be in the stacked middleweight division. And I'm stoked. This is going to get that Texas energy going if it's lacking. Punahili trains out of Extreme Couture. He has a brown belt in judo, a D3 wrestling background out of Wartburg College where he finished 7th in nationals. He is a PFL, Titan FC, LFA, and Contender Series alum. He's on a one-fight losing streak and is 1-2 since 2022. Now, Dustin has a purple belt in BJJ. He's got a black belt in Luda Livre a red belt in Tang Sudu. He's a Contender Series alum. He's on a one-fight losing streak. He is 1-3 since 2021, and he has a 2.5-inch reach and leg reach advantage. Now, I think Punahili is more of a wholesome fighter with his technical striking ability and his grappling. He just went with really high pace, paces during his past few fights, and with how muscular it is, I think he's gassed himself out a little bit. So I'm interested to see how he approaches the start of this fight as Dustin is very durable. He can take a good shot and he'll deliver volume back. It should be just a fucking war. I expect three rounds of chaos. I am taking Punahili, but I'm avoiding him on a parlay. These are, these are tough fights to pick, man. Speaking of tough fights and bangers, we got Sean Brady, 31 years old with a 15 and one record. And the number nine next to his name, taking on Kelvin Gastelum, 32 years old with an 18 and 8 record, and the number 11 next to his name. I think this is a fight between two of the tougher dudes in the UFC, man. They're both really well rounded. They haven't been as active as they typically are, but they will try to pull you in the deepest depths of the waters. They're great strikers. They can outgrapple most of their opponents. And to top it off, Both men love to come forward and wear out their opponent. Breaking it down, Sean has a black belt in BJJ. He's a Cage Fury alum and former champion and an LFA alum. He suffered his first pro loss and lost in the UFC to Bilal Muhammad in October of last year. So it's been over a year. He's probably been in the lab getting better. Kelvin is a Southpaw fighter. He trains out of Kings MMA. He has a black belt in BJJ. He has a JUCO wrestling background at a North Idaho college. He is an Ultimate Fighter alum and champion. Two of his last three fights have been fight of the night. He's always showing out. He had the amazing scrap against Israel Adesanya, which was 2019 fight of the year. And he's on a one-fight winning streak and is 2-2 two and two since 2021. I mean, these fights are paper thin to pick, man. This fight is so hard to call. 
both men pretty identical to one to each other. You know, I, I do think Sean's taken that year off to get better, get his mentality right, because that first pro loss was definitely a beatdown. And I, I think that, though, is going to pay dividends for him. I can't wait to see how he attacks the game plan for this fight. They're both almost the same age. Kevin De- Kelvin definitely has a lot more miles on him, in the UFC especially. I think Sean's going to have advantage on the feet with his speed. But I do think Kelvin's going to make the make look to make this fight ugly as possible. Put him up against the clinch, up against the cage, dirty box him, mix in the grappling. And if I'm Kelvin, I'm trying to mix in those kicks like Bilal did because that worked really well. I do expect this to be fight of the night. I do think it has a fight of the year potential. I am taking Sean Brady, but I'm avoiding this on a parlay if possible. In the co-main, we got Rob font 36 years old with the number eight next to his name taking on divison deuce de guerra figurado 35 years old with a 21 three and one record and the number two next to his name now after almost a full year we're finally getting the bantamweight uh, debut for a former dominant flyweight champion not only is he debuting in the the bantamweight division but he's taken on a top 10 bantamweight who has been fighting the top of the division since 2021, so strap in. Breaking it down, Rob is an orthodox fighter. He trains out of the New England cartel. He's got a brown belt in BJJ. Two of his last three fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. He has the second most significant strikes landed in the bantamweight division history. He is on a one-fight losing streak and is only 1-2 since 2022. Nine of his 20 wins are via knockout, and he does have a three-and-a-half-inch reach advantage in this fight. Now, Devison has a BJJ style. He trains out of Fight Ready here in Phoenix. He's a Jungle Fight alum. He has a black belt in BJJ. He's the former flyweight champion with two successful title defenses. Two of his last four fights have been fight of the night. He's on a one-fight losing streak where he lost his title to Brandon Moreno. He is 4-2-1 since 2020 with four fights in a row against Brandon Moreno. So we haven't seen him take on new blood in quite some time. Nine of his 21 wins are via knockout, eight via submission. So 17 of his 21 fights via finish, which in flyweight, that's unheard of. He's like the assassin man. When he had the half blonde, half red, straight savagery. He's tied with Demetrius Johnson for the most finishes in the UFC flyweight division history with seven of them things. He has the fastest submission in flyweight division history with uh, one, one minute and 57 seconds against Alex Perez. He has the most knockdowns landed in UFC flyweight division history with 11. The most submission attempts in flyweight history with 20. And he was the 2020 fighter of the year and had the 2020 fight of the year against Brandon Moreno. Now, I think Figgy is going to have an issue with the jab of Rob, the size, the power, and his first fight moving up to the bantamweight. I do think Figgy has had advantages at, at, at flyweight of being the bigger fighter than a lot of his opponents, like more muscular, a little bit thicker, but that's not going to be the case here. I think Rob's going to get back on track after winning the striking battle and, and, and putting volume on Figgy over the course of the fight. 
You know, we've seen Figgy in those five-round wars. He should be more than more than prepared, not cutting as much weight. I just don't see uh, Davison looking for takedowns, but we haven't seen him fight anyone since Moreno since 2020, so who knows what's going to happen. Figgy's been some of the, uh, the cream of the crop over there in the flyweight division for quite some time. He may have the speed advantage, but I'm interested to see how, how it mixes in with those jabs and how he looks to move around and, and find his uh, entrances against uh, Rob. This should be another fantastically styled matchup. There's just a lot of unknowns with, with uh, Figgy coming up. And again, haven't fought <laughs> only one opponent since 2020. For that reason, I am taking Rob Font, but I am avoiding him on a parlay if possible. Moving into the main event. Oh, I keep forgetting this isn't the main event. The short notice event here. We got Bobby King Green, 37 years old with a 31-14-1 record and the number 13 next to his name, taking on Jalen, the Tarantula Turner, 28 years old with a 13-7 record and the number 12 next to his name. Again, we get uh, this fight booked in a week's time frame. Dan Hooker pulled out because he injured his arm that he was out for surgery. I don't think this is going to help Jalen a lot. He's definitely going to have a length advantage. I think he'll go for broke a little bit. He knows Bobby is willing to die on his shield. He goes out on his sword. So it should be, I think it's going to be a pretty wild first, second round. Now, breaking it down, Bobby has a purple belt in BJJ. He is a Strike Force alum and King of the Cage alum and former King of the Cage champion. Three of his last four fights have been performance of the night or fight of the night. Short notice, don't matter. Bobby shows up, he gets that money. He has the most significant strikes in UFC lightweight history with 1,644. The most total strikes landed at 1,870. He is on a two-fight winning streak, both in 2023. He should be on a three. 11 of his 31 wins are via knockout, 9 via submission, so 20 of his 31 wins via finish. Jalen has a brown belt in BJJ. He's a World Series of Fighting, Bellator, King of the Cage, uh, and Contender Series alum. He's on a two-fight losing streak and is 2-2 two two since 2022, and 9 of his 13 wins are via knockout. I really don't know what to think about this fight. You know, Jalen went toe-to-toe with Dan Hooker in a very close split decision defeat. He got out-wrestled by Gamrot. I assume Bobby's just going to clang and bang. If Bobby's smart, he would use his wrestling. I just don't think he will. I don't think he was preparing to do that against Dan Hooker. He's going to be the version of Bobby that we've seen. I'm not sure Bobby's going to have that typical advantage with the length of Turner. He will have the speed advantage, but I think Turner goes all out for this fight on short notice. He's going to make it through. And for that reason, I'm taking the tarantula. But again, I'm avoiding this on any parlays. These are all 50-50 fights here. And then that just shows you how loaded this freaking Texas card is. I mean, they're getting some shows. Sure, most people probably don't care about the Hardy fight. Maybe even the Wellington-Turman fight, which I'm excited about. But Drakkar close, Joe Selecki, two dudes so well-rounded. Obviously, Misha Tate, Clay Aguida, that sells themselves. OGs in the octagon. Puna Healy, Dustin Stoltzfus. Sean Brady, Kelvin Gaslam. These could be fight of the year contenders. Rob Font Figueredo as well. Uh, the Tranchilla fight. 
Bobby Green. I mean, I have no idea what to expect, but it should be a good one. And then the main event, we have Benil Dariush, 34 years old, with a 22-5-1 record and the number four next to his name, taking on Armin Akalakets Sarukian, 27 years old, with a 20-3 and record and the number eight next to his name. Now, Armin has done nothing but impress since he has been in the UFC. I thought he won his lot versus uh, his loss uh, against Gamrot. It was very debatable. He went to a decision. It was a fighter of the night in his UFC debut against Islam Makachev. So he's pushed Islam uh, further than most have. And Benil has been fighting flawlessly until his recent loss against Charles Oliveira. And stylistically, this is a very intriguing uh, uh, matchup. Breaking it down, Benil has a BJJ style. He trains at a Kings MMA. He has a black belt in BJJ and Muay Thai. He won gold in the 08 and 2010 World No-Gi Championships. I think actually 08, 09, and 10, so three years. He is on a one-fight losing streak, but was on an eight-fight winning streak before that. Eight of his 22 wins are via submission. Four of his five losses are via knockout. Now, Ar- Armin is an orthodox fighter. He trains out of American Top Team. He's a master of sport and MMA and freestyle wrestling. Three of his last five fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. He's been showing out. He's on a two-fight winning streak. Eight of his 20 wins are via knockout. Five via submission. So 13 of his 20 wins via finish. Now, Armin's been a wrecking ball, man. He's improved his striking but he lives off of his grappling. Is he just going to be able to take Benil down over and over and grind out a decision victory? I mean, Benil is a dangerous submission expert. He should be well-prepared. I do think Benil is going to have the striking advantage. I'm just not confident he can take three of the five rounds to get the win against a younger fighter. This guy has got an insane gas tank. The volume that Armin possesses is a freaking problem. He's beaten very, very good, talented fighters that way. So I do think the five-round affair doesn't help Benil. Can Benil do it? Absolutely. But I'm taking Armin in a five-round war. I think he outgasses him. I think he steals rounds with takedowns and top control. Um, But Benil, you know, he's got to do what he's got to do. He's 34 now. You can't lose to a young 27-year-old eighth-ranked fighter at this point in your career if you ever want a title shot. I am taking Armin. 50-50 toss-ups, all card. I'm avoiding this on a parlay. We're going to get some scraps, man. This is going to be so fun. Um, you know, MSG whooped me in my picks. Hopefully, I don't have that issue again here. Uh, but I'm excited for this card early on Saturday. FCS playoffs. Grizz got a night game. We got championship games in the FBS. You got NBA action, college basketball action, NHL action. We all about that action. But next week, we have another fight night card headline by Song Yadong and Chris Gutierrez. Then a massive UFC 296 showdown before another week off for Christmas. Episode 26, I'm your host, Shane Gillette. I will see you next week.